Welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is paranormal investigator MJ Dixon. MJ is the founder and lead investigator of Sage Paranormal, based in West Midlands, UK. Her experiences with the paranormal began at a young age, and she soon realized that she had inherited the psychic abilities of her mother. However, this was paired with her father, whose military background was a penchant for logic, and so MJ found that this unusual combination of psychic and cynic lent itself perfectly to becoming a successful paranormal investigator. Those skills soon came in handy when she suspected she was living in a haunted house and wanted answers. MJ, welcome to the show. Welcome on, MJ. It's good to be here. I should say, it's my morning. Good evening, Mr. Jerry. Good good evening. (laughs) You woman of mystery, you. Yes, it is. Um... Uh, so I'm super thrilled about this, and we want—we definitely want more paranormal people on Nox Mente, just so the world knows. I definitely know a few people that you would love to interview, so I'll be spreading the word. Very much looking forward to that. Where, where in the? Are you in the UK now? For some reason, I thought you were in, even though your accent. For some reason, I thought someone told me you were in Australia. So everybody thinks I'm Australian. Um, excuse me. I'm actually South African, and um, I'm living in the UK. I've been here for about near enough ten years now. Um, but because of the the South African accent and the English twang, I sound Australian. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the mashup. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I want you to go ahead and tell um, people about the fact that sometimes you get a male a male spirit or entity answering for you. I'm highly intrigued and I'm hoping it happens. So uh, every time I do any form of podcast, radio show, Skype meetings, anything at all, um, and whether it's on any platform like Zoom, Skype, WhatsApp, Facebook, you know, whatever the case may be, I sometimes do have a male voice that will answer questions sort of on my behalf or you would hear a male voice laughing in the background or that sort of thing. So I kind of have to pre-warn everybody about this guy. Um, the office that I'm sitting in, it's filled with haunted objects from cases that I've worked over the years. And I think this is actually somebody who is attached to one of the objects in, in my house. Um, but he, I don't know, he seems pretty harmless most of the time. So I love it. Anyone listening, if you hear a male voice, it's not just me that sounds like Marilyn Manson every now and again. It is actually somebody else that answers. <laughs> oh, man. If this is going to be awesome. Is it too? What time is it where you are now? It's about um, nine o'clock. In the evening? In the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So you're definitely evening. Um, well, what a better time when the sun's down for the voices to come out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all love it. <laughs> not unusual in our house. Does he have a name? 
Um, no, but I kind of have an idea of which item he would be attached to. Um, and it's a deck of Alistair Crowley tarot cards. Oh, um, intriguing. Yeah, so it's kind of since I brought those cards into my life. They were given to me as a birthday present, by the way. Here, here's these fantastically haunted tarot cards. You have them. <laughs> um, happy birthday. So, <laughs> so um, it's since I've, I've got this deck of cards in the house that we, we've had this male entity around. But I haven't got a name for him yet. Um, because he's here with the Alistair Crowley cards, I just call him Alistair. Yeah, that would be probably what I would do. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm hoping it's not actually Alistair Crowley. You know. <laughs> Why? You, you can, I mean, you could be haunted by worse people, I guess. <laughs> if it is, I have several questions that he, that he's fucked <laughs> down. That he know. needs to speak up louder. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading or I heard an interview with a woman who was um, in contact. I thought it was uh, I thought it was Edgar Allan Poe's ghost. Like. Oh wow. He hung out with her all the time and like criticized her. He was like a nag ghost. Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, and the, another reason that I, I call him Alistair is I've actually taken these cards and used them as a trigger object in Warwick Castle. Warwick Castle is where Alistair Crowley used to perform seances. Um, yes. With Anne, Anne the Fourth Countess of Warwick, uh, Daisy the Countess of Warwick. So, um, you know, there's there's quite a lot of energy attached to these cards. And obviously if it is anything to do with him, that would be a great trigger. So um, I've actually used them as a trigger object. And when we asked if Alistair Crowley was around, we got a class A EVP saying yes, um, which was really interesting. And we had figures mapping in on the SLS camera, waving at the camera when we asked them to. So it was, you know, there's a, I don't know, there's a lot of ties to Alistair in these cards. So. It'd be really cool if it wasn't. Those SLS camps are so awesome. Yeah, I really like them. You know, I mean, I do believe that they have glitches. I just found my, my deck. Nice. Um, I do believe that they cameras can have glitches and things, you know, but when you say, could you stand in front of the camera and raise your right hand and wave, and it does, well... <laughs> and then they move. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, that... I was, I talked to, um, I forget who it was. It was someone at the conference who had one there. Did you see them? At the, the CryptidCon. Oh, at, at uh, CryptidCon? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't see it, no. I can't remember his name. He was with, uh, I know who it was, Robert something. Was it Murray? Murphy? It wasn't. Oh, the, Robert Murch? Not Murch, the other Robert. He's like a fairy hunter. Oh, he had a hat oh, on. You know what? I didn't get to because mm. I think his talk was the same time as mine. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So yeah. his booth, he, had, he was there with another paranormal group, and they had an SLS camera set up in the outside of the the vendor area. Oh, I didn't know that. I can't believe you missed that. You did. To be fair, I was so jet lagged by the time I did one. <laughs> I think I was I. I did eight states in four weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. So, it got um, extended, I, didn't it? Sorry. It got extended. I thought it did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, I was over there for several weeks, just one investigation after the other one event after the other. Um, I was pretty dead by that time. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, they say um, there's an old tradition, it, a folkish tradition that all, your, your magical tools, the ones that are, um, well, your magical tools should come to you. That mm-hmm. purchasing one, and I, I realize that we all purchase stuff, but the purchasing one is the old lineage was they were given somehow yes, as gifts. Absolutely. Or, so or found. Every single one of my, um, because I read tarot, and um, every single one of my tarot decks has been gifted to me. I've, I've never bought one for myself. You're quite fortunate. I've had, I have my, my first one from my momo and then another, another very special one. You're quite lucky. That's, it's spectacular. I did get all my, uh, many other things have come to me, so I'm not, I'm not begrudging it at all, but you know, I love cards. How wonderful are cards. Just going to throw this out there. Anyone listening that wants to gift me any new paranormal (laughs) equipment, I mean, you know. (laughs) Bring it on. It is Christmas around the corner today. So, MJ, tell us a little bit about the world you grew up in, like the early stuff, the early stuff you can remember that sticks out. And that that's it, like, um, you know, so, surface level to depth stuff. So, like, pop culture, cartoons you may have liked. Did you have a relationship with nature, all that? Okay. Um, so, I grew up, fortunately, um, my, my mom's side of the family, I'm actually first-generation psychic medium. So um, when it comes to how my mom raised me, I was very lucky because everything was very open, very, you know, I was very involved with anything to do with craft and the craft. (laughs) Um, And my dad's side, it was very military. So, you know, logical and straightforward. So dad's side, I grew up doing judo and karate and I did kickboxing and things five and a half years um but then on my mom's side everything was very airy fairy and creative and spiritual and um very much so grew up in and around nature constantly I mean I grew up in South Africa so I was really an outdoors child um we had a really nice farm um up at the mount well in the valley of the mountains, the Waterberg region. Um, so I spent a lot of my time camping next to the river and just on my own. <laughs> when I say outdoorsy, I was, I was permanently out in the woods exploring and I had a real relationship with nature. Um, so yeah, uh, when it comes to TV shows and things, I think I've always been a bit of a weird child. I uh, very, very clearly remember scarring much all the kids in my neighborhood for my 11th birthday because we decided to have a kid's birthday party, you know, sleepover party. And I had all the kids in the neighborhood and decided that we were going to have a classic horror movie night uh, or weekend, shall I say. So ended up watching things like The Thing, It, The Exorcist. I mean, I'm talking about all those way back, not the remakes. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I've always been a weird child. That's you would have been my friend. Those were <laughs> this is not room soup, okay. <laughs> did yeah, you yeah. what kind of music did you like back then early on? Oh my god. Okay, so I grew up with older brothers who were all metalheads. <laughs> so um instead of singing nursery rhymes when I was three years old, I knew pretty much all the lyrics to Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses <laughs> or Metallica. Oh my god, yes. 
Uh, that is shout out to Darcy oh, in our chat. We have a good friend of our show that loves all that too. I, of course, oh. do as well. And she's in chat. Oh, hello. Hello, people in chat. Hi, people in the chat room. Um, yeah, so I grew up with, you know, rock and metal, and I'm still, I, I'm to this day, I'm a, a metalhead. I love my classic rock. Um, so pretty much if my husband could, could describe me, and actually several other people could describe me in, in very few words, it would be Dean Winchester from Supernatural, just the female version. <laughs> I love Dean. <laughs> so, I love this is classic Dean. rock. I love classic cars. I yes. <laughs> Have you ever <laughs> been on uh, Where Did the Road Go or met Soraya? No. I need to get you two together. Okay. He's a metalhead paranormal dude. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That sounds great. Soraya's got a great show. We've had him on and he's wonderful. He's yeah. actually one of, he's a great interviewer. Okay. Oh, I'd love to. That's yeah, he's great. What um also so back so early, early MJ, what do you do you have any recall of dreams from your early period? Absolutely. Um no, I would I would have very vivid dreams as a child and whether these were actually past life memory, um, I, I couldn't tell you. But for instance, I said I was a bit of a weird kid. Um, one of the things that sticks out quite a bit was when I was about nine or 10 years old, my father gave me this old wooden cigar box and I was a crafty kid. I used to collect stuff and make all sorts of things. And he was like, well, I didn't want to throw this wooden box away. I thought you could make something out of it. So about a month went by so so, and my mom was like, what did you make out of that box? And I was like, well, I, I can't show it to you. I can't tell you. It's my magic box. And she oh. was like, oh, magic, like hard brick things. And I was like, oh, no, don't be silly, like real magic. And my mom was a bit like, okay, this is odd. And I remember getting home from school and my mom had gone to my room. And she'd found this cigar box and she was sat there with this thing on her lap when I walked in. And she looked so shocked. Um, and I remember feeling like, how, how dare you invade my privacy like that? You just went into my room? Like, how dare you? I was nine. She had every right to do that. I was a worried parent of a weird child. So um, I ended up having to explain why I made this box and basically what I had done is I drawn a pentagram in it I had candles for each element I had a white candle to represent what I called akasha and all sorts of things in this little and it was it was practically a mini wiccan altar that I set up in this box and I would take it down to the end of the garden and sit underneath the willow tree because it was just so stunning, you know, this weeping willow almost touching the ground. It was just beautiful in there. And I would burn a bunch of herbs and things and say all sorts of incantations and that. This is a nine-year-old kid. Like, no nine-year-old child should know how to do any of that. I'd never learned that anywhere. It just came very naturally. I mean, the only place that I used to have these really weird dreams, it was very vivid dreams of me doing this sort of thing. But in the dreams, I was an older woman. I was in my 30s. Um, so 
you know, it was only years later, once I started getting into all things paranormal, that I realized when my mom asked me, what is the white can for? And I said to her, well, it's Akasha. She was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, don't be silly. Like, it's Akasha. It's everything. Like, mom, how can you not know this? <laughs> um, and she brushed it off, no crazy child. And it was later on in life that I was reading a book and it was all about the Akashic records and the penny mm. dropped. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, the Akashic records, Akasha. Oh my God, how would a nine-year-old kid know that that's what it was called? How would you have any knowledge of that at nine years old? So um, I think I, you know, those were some of the dreams that I had that really heavily influenced me getting into all things spiritual and paranormal and out there because I wanted to know where that all came from. I wanted to know how I knew that stuff, where, you know, those dreams were coming from. Yeah, that's probably one of my earliest memories of dreams being a bit weird. <laughs> that that's fantastic, and it illustrates something. I know it's controversial in in kind of the larger community at large, but there's um, there's always been this talk about you're born to it, right? Absolutely. And and uh, and I I feel that way. I think it, of course anyone can get into it and 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 find their way through. However, there are just people that have been on the path for whatever yeah. amount of time that it predates this life. Absolutely. Um, it's it's really strange to me because you know throughout my entire childhood I had these really vivid dreams of me being in my thirties, um, being drowned with witchcraft, um knowing how to do certain spells and incantations and knowing all sorts of things. I mean, oh my gosh, so many different things about the craft. And knowing for myself that I never learned this anywhere, like I hadn't read books about it or anything like that when I was that young, it it just kind of, it's always been there. It's It's been there before this life. It's always, it is like it's carried on through. Um, and I do feel that those are more past life memories than just dreams. I think there is something more to it. And, you know, you do meet people that are in this field and people go, oh, my God, I'm so into the paranormal. Look at me. I'm a paranormal investigator. And then you see them two years down the line. They're like, yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah. And see that there's lots of that where yeah. people just kind of willy nilly come in and out. Exactly. And I'm like, how? How? done with that you can't just be I can't just be done with that this is <laughs> the core of my being yes like, this is who I am this is, I I don't know any different <laughs> so, uh, it's sensational MJ that you name that Akasha and not having been front-loaded being so young and exactly. really the the Akashic Records stuff didn't really take off, even though it's been there, like the term has been there mm -hmm. for a long, throughout our lives, of course, and before, but it didn't really get super popular until, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, but this is, this is exactly what I mean. It was only about, gosh, maybe like three years ago that I was reading um, The Happy Medium by Kim Russo. And yes. And in the book, she starts talking about the Akashic Records, and she actually writes the Akashic Records, also known as Akasha. <laughs> and I literally froze 
I read the sentence and I was sitting curled up on the sofa. It was the middle of winter. She sent me, um, well, a friend of mine had sent me the book for Christmas. And I'd been sat curled up on the sofa reading. And when that, when I read that sentence, I was, I instantly burst into tears. And I called my mom and I went, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. Like, I found out what Akasha is after all of these years. And when I told her, she was like, you're kidding. There's no way. Like, there's, how would you know that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. These validations are amazing in life where, where we know they're like checkpoints in time almost, where we know we are on track. So, okay. So continuing on with staying back in your early life, mm-hmm. where did you have, um, so understanding a little bit about where, where you were and what was going on, your relationship with nature. Did you have any fears at that time as a kid? My only fear, well, as a child, I was really scared of the dark. Um, I think that stems from being sensitive and not knowing how to develop it properly at such a young age. Like I wasn't speaking about it all that much back then. So I would feel the presence or, you know, somebody else in the room um, and I'd be able to pick up on this presence and tell you if it was male or female or that sort of thing. And because I didn't know who it was or what it was or what was going on, the dark terrified me. I always had to have the lights on for some reason. But my, my biggest fear, and it still is, is water. I hate drowning. I hate pee. I just... Yeah, that's still my biggest fear. Okay, so I want to I go into that. I have that as well. The, the water's a very, very big deal. And on this show, we, we do talk about um, what we I ask questions about deep water and all this. I would like to suss out a little bit why you think you have a fear of the water. What do you think it stems from? Partially the past life dreams that I've had that are so vivid of me drowning or being being drowned for witchcraft. Yes. That has definitely carried through into this life. Um, another reason was because my older brother decided he was going to teach me how to swim. Oh, <laughs> no. So well. <laughs> uh, I was about two years old and ended up sinking at the bottom of the swimming pool. Oh, so, um, <laughs> that definitely added to it. Do you remember when you sank to the bottom of the swimming pool? Did it? Do you have a memory of sitting there at the bottom? I actually do, and I I remember feeling really calm, and I remember thinking about the bubbles and how pretty they looked. Mm-hmm. It was really odd, but that's that was pretty much the only thing that I remember of it. That is literally one of the only pieces of that that I remember very vividly, and I remember my dad yanking me out of. But other than that, no, I don't really remember much. Well, that, but I ask that because it's kind of the bottom of the pool. It's, um, it's significant in a lot of different ways, but I, I was just curious. I have that as well. And, um, and then a lot, some people with um, some, the woo, this is some woo, but there's a connection to say the basis stuff with that too. So I, it just is curious. I bet okay. she doesn't know what that is. I do not. No, that's all right. And I'm not going to go into it. It can be, we can talk about that later, but, um, but it's significant is all I want to say. As so a I, I have, when it comes to water and dreams, um, 
water is a very big part of my dreams. Now, for me, it always has and probably always will be. Anytime I dream of water that is really calm and really crystal clear, and I dream that I'm swimming and I can see literally everything, it's just like miles and miles and miles of crystal clear water. Um, and it could sometimes be like the entire city is submerged and I'm swimming, looking down at this beautiful city underneath me in the water. But Ooh. as long as it is clear and I feel independent, I know that all things in, in work life, home life, emotionally, mentally, everything feels balanced. It's like but, looking through a blue glass window, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I've had yeah. the exact same dreams. So, and then I feel like, okay, I'm good. I'm on the right path. Everything feels fine. Everything feels really stable. But the moment I have a dream of, say, standing on the beach, looking at, looking at the ocean, and it's these huge waves, and it's really churned up water, and it's really dark and brown, and it just looks scary, then I know there's trouble coming. It's kind of my foreboding. Um, Anytime I have any trouble coming in my life at all, whether it's a family member passing, whether it's, you know, something to do with a job, whether it's something, a project that's going to fall through, or whatever the case may be, financially, emotionally, health-wise, anytime I have that dream, I know that there's that trouble coming. But depending on certain details of it, it'll tell me what part of life it's about. So I know if it's a family member or to do with a family member, I'll see them stood in the middle of the water, like it's all around them. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's always played a very big part of my life and influenced how I do things as well. When, when the water, so you, this kind of brings us forward a little bit, but I want to, I want to go there while we're here. Um, so in, in the murky water, the stormy water, are there ever um, fantastical beasts involved? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, very rarely. What do they, do you have any examples or visuals for us, mental oh, visuals? Um, the only one that I, that stand, well, two actually, the standout, the giant squid that mm -hmm. I've seen in the dream that sort of pulling me underneath the water. Uh, the other one was more of like a, Oh, like a sea serpent. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, kind of take a Loch Ness monster and cross it with a dragon. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Probably the best way to describe it. And when they these pop up, how, what is what what's generally the feeling, and what how do you get out of it? How do you deal with this when it's happening? Do you know what it's it's been so few and far between that I've actually had dreams that have these creatures or things in them. Um, I do remember being pretty confused. <laughs> yeah. I do remember look, looking at it being like, okay, clearly this is a really whacked out dream. Um, and I have, usually I've got to the point where when I do have dreams of water, I really assess them. It's weird. I have this way of kind of pulling myself out of my own dream and standing back assessing it while I'm dreaming it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if other people do That's that. That's great. That's almost I, a lucid experience. Yeah. yeah. 
So I tend to kind of stand back and assess everything that's going on in my dream. I'm also able to, um, to, you know, when some people wake up and that's it, it's done, the dream's done. I'm also able to force myself back to sleep and back in that exact dream, exact situation to kind of carry on assessing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do I, that. That's not uncommon. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not that yeah. weird. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, not amongst this crowd. <laughs> Another thing that I've always, I've always done this. People think I'm really crazy. Um, I find it really difficult to communicate with my spirit guides. I've only ever had a couple of guides in my lifetime that have been really clear where I'm able to hear them really clearly and kind of have full on conversations with them. Now. Most of my guides will only ever tell me things in my dreams. So I got, I, I read it somewhere. I can't remember what book or whatever I was reading that, and I was quite young, um, obviously very easily influenced. Um, but I read somewhere that you could speak to your guides and ask them to teach you things in your dream. So you would, before you go to bed, speak to them, say, Hey, I want to learn how to, weave a dream catcher and you would go to bed and have this really vivid dream of kind of a step-by-step class on how to do this specific task and you would be able to wake up in the morning and remember it and do it and I was like wow this is the coolest thing ever so I used to do it all the time and it really worked for me um the weaving dream catchers was actually the very first thing I tried um I remember waking up the next day and being like yeah I can do this yeah yes i you know i i i often wait for i call it like dream downloads i don't mm-hmm. i've never called it um guides because it doesn't yeah. feel i don't have anyone it doesn't feel like it's coming from a point so yeah. like a person or a thing it's just like you say it is kind of a download yeah the, definitely and, and that's how i learn temple dancing and stuff i find that um well are you right-handed or left-handed right hand okay interesting yeah that i love this though we don't get a lot of people talking about the clarity of that like you are just talking about so they'll get inspiration from the dream but not like oh, oh i've wake up and they've totally learned something completely yeah instruction yes step by step that's crystal clear um i yeah i've had that i've done that my whole life though I've mm-hmm. always thought that was normal. <laughs> Until I was speaking to somebody, they're like, "Yeah, that's that's not that not not everyone does that." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, you're missing out." Cool. <laughs> What's your uh, astrological sign? I'm a Virgo. A Virgo. Mm-hmm. Do you know your rising and and moon? Uh yes. Hold rising. that. Hold that thought. I just want to thank uh, Pusa Studios for coming in on a Pusa raid bringing us some some new listeners and new subscribers so thank you very much guys we really appreciate it oh thank you definitely back to you um i believe my rising is sagittarius i'm new scorpio sag rising moon scorpio also on this kind of early stuff that gives us an idea of your personality are you so you have a brother was it just you and your brother um, I had one biological brother, um, 10 years my senior. 
he sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, but then I had about seven or eight adopted brothers and an adopted sister. Oh, wow. Made- yes. That's yeah. a lot. That's, it sounds kind of fantastic to me. Were they all in your age range? No, I am the baby. I am by, I think the next step for me is about six years old. Okay, so there is a big pot. Yeah, so is it like, were you, um, with that separation in age, was there a sense of being an only child at all? Absolutely. Um, so especially when everyone, a lot of them are way, way older than me. So when everyone else left, um, everyone kind of moved out of the house as soon as they could. And they went exploring and traveled all over the country and all sorts of things. Um, and it, it really felt, I think, not only did my mom feel anti-nest syndrome, but it, it really made me feel like an only child. I was, I was so close to my biological brother that when he left, um, he moved across the country. We lived in, in the north of South Africa. He moved down to Cape Town. Um, and it got to the point where, and I must have been, I must have been about seven years old when he moved out. Um, seven or eight. Yeah, he was 18. So uh, I was eight years old. And How old were you when he passed? Uh, he passed three years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Recent. He's still around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we share this perspective for sure. Yeah. They don't die. We don't die. Nope. Um, but yeah, so I remember being that distraught when my brother moved across the country that I ended up getting really, really, really sick, really ill. Um, and my mom took me to every pediatrician and specialist and, you know, anyone that she thought may be able to help. And no one could find anything wrong with me. Until I remember her taking me to this doctor kind of down, just down the street from our house. And he was like, well, has one of her siblings passed? And my mom was like, no, I mean, he's moved home, <laughs> you know, he left home, but he's still alive. And the doctor turned around and said, she's mourning. Yes. She's mourning her yes. brother as though he's passed, um, which was, you know, a big thing when he actually did pass away. My very first thought was, I had to hear my brother's voice every day as a child growing up so that I could function because I was that close to him. Yeah. Um, and when he passed, I put the phone down when I got the phone call. And I was like, wow, now what? Now, yeah. now what happens now? Do no you, problem. let's, um, if we can, can we talk about your brother for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. So when he when he left and you were about seven, were do you remember any dreams during that specific time? I remember and I remember dreaming about him whenever something was wrong with him. Like mm-hmm. if something wasn't going well at work or, you know, he got himself into a bad situation or you know, just being a drunken teenage boy whenever yeah. he ended up in a fight or anything <laughs> like that you know and he tried to hide it from my parents um I remember waking up being really frantically worried about him knowing that something was wrong um that yeah that's about the only time that I I remember dreaming about him I dream about him quite often now actually yeah, that's what I wanted to jump to next. So I, I just want to get a little context for that. So when and this usually I ask these questions later because I like to get give people a sense of um, who who a person is by all these early questions. Um, 
So when he passed three years ago, did you see it beforehand? Were you aware it was going to happen? I'm not sure how he passed, but, and I'm talking in dreams now. And, and then after, what's your relationship with him now? So he was one of the very few people in our family that I didn't have a dream about. Um, I didn't have any forewarning and usually I do. Um, you know, when my, when my dad passed, my, both my in-laws, um, I had a, I had, I basically, I see somebody, <laughs> it's really weird, but I usually see this tall, dark figure wearing a top hat, he's got a long cloak on, he kind of, this is going to be very bizarre, um, he's a Russian ringmaster, don't know why he shows up, anyway, his name is Zias, um, and he usually shows up like a week before I'll see him standing in the house somewhere. And then I'll kind of get a sense of who it is going to pass. Um, and I've had that happen my entire life. But with my brother, I didn't. There was, there was absolutely no warning. The moment I got the phone call to tell me, he, he had a heart attack, by the way. He was 39 years old. Um, oh, my goodness. That's yeah. too young and a heart attack. Ugh. Yeah. Um, didn't bring... You know, he barely he barely drank he was really big into his fitness um he had been training a lot so i don't know if that just put extra strain on his heart um but he was in really good health and didn't smoke um yeah so it was very kind of out of the blue and obviously i mean 39 years old you know, he he played golf that morning got home sat down on the sofa and had a heart attack gone um but the moment that i got the phone call to tell me because he, he lived in south africa and obviously being over here in england they phoned me straight away and i remember i was i was busy editing um a documentary and so i had the headphones and everything on sat in front of the laptop busy editing and i was sitting in my bedroom uh, and i had my back towards the bedroom door and i remember the entire room filling up it was like I was stood in the middle of a crowded room and everybody was going like oh my god oh my god like here it comes here it comes it, it, it's gonna happen now it's gonna happen now and I still remember taking the headphones off and looking around the room and being like wow this room feels weird so busy and um I put the headphones back on and I looked down at my phone and the phone rang and I knew it I just, I just knew <laughs> before I even answered the phone, I knew, um, but I never had any dreams about that beforehand at all. Afterwards now, I mean, now he visits me quite often and it's funny. I always said, um, so I used to have really jet black, dead straight hair down to my waist. Mm -hmm. And so I looked like Morticia Adams. Mm -hmm. a, a look I love and have worked myself. <laughs> so, uh, oh, I never intentionally tried to. It's just kind of how I ended up looking. So yeah, my brother, I had to dye my hair, sadly. <laughs> oh, I, my family's Greek, so I had no problem there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my brother used to call me Morticia. It was his nickname for me, my family nickname. My brother so, uh, married a Greek woman. Sorry? My brother married a Greek woman. Went through okay. the whole Greek Orthodox thing, and I had never met her. And the first time I met her, he he was starting to learn Greek, 
and he told mm. me to uh, to say to her, Megalo Puzzo. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yay, yay me. <laughs> that oh. must be this. Uh, for those of us that don't know Greek, what is that? It, it loosely translates to, I have a big dick. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, my, my brother, when he passed, I said to him, look, if you're going to come through and you're going to speak to me, then you need to start singing the Adams Family theme tune. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so, so I know it's you. So that's kind of like his calling. Like, I'll, I'll be walking around the house and I'll feel the presence of somebody in, in the living room with me and hear the da-da-da-da. And I'm like, oh, oh, hey. <laughs> I love that cue. Yeah, it's kind of his, his little thing. Uh, it was always our thing. He used to walk around behind me doing it all the time when I was young. Walk around the house teasing me, singing the song. Um, but I've actually, I've done investigations where I've realized that he walked into the room while I'm doing a paranormal investigation. And I asked the question and I said, if there's somebody here that's a part of my family, can you give me my family name? And everybody always goes, oh, yeah, Dixon. And we all listen back to the EVPs. And a couple of times we've had an EVP come through in my brother's voice saying Adams. Oh, want, that's so great. He'll say we're part of the Adams family. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So when, when you first started dreaming of him after his passing um, mm -hmm. from here to there, was what were the experiences? Were they emotional? Were you able to hold on to the connection? Um, they were quite fleeting, to be honest. I mean, I don't. He comes through a lot more uh, psychically because I'm I'm so cognizant, so I receive information as though it's my own memories, and I'm clear audience as well, so I can hear his voice. Um, so he he tends to come through more that way. A person that, and I mean, obviously, the few times that he has come through very clearly in in a dream has been extremely emotional. Um, it's like. He never left. Um, it was really real, like he was still around. Uh, one of them was quite vivid of the two of us sitting on a bench in, in my parents' garden, just chatting. And uh, when I woke up, I definitely, I definitely felt like he, he was, for a very brief moment, he was back. It was that real. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, it's sometimes, you know, because you, you were, you are, um, well honed with this Russian ringmaster image of of whatever death is that, that's cueing you in, and that you didn't have it with your brother. What is what was his first name? Speros. So you didn't have it with Speros, um, and and so I was a little bit expecting to hear that it was. Or I'm so in my head. I'm thinking because of the deep emotionality mm -hmm. and connection I with him. But that's exactly it. I think it was, and like I say, the moment I got the news, it was really weird. It was like, it was like everybody on the other side, all of my family, died, whoever the hell my invisible A-team are on the other side that's helping me through this life. Um, it was kind of like they all stopped and went, oh, crap. Yeah, like, yes. Oh, there was that moment. Like, they're so close. It was so emotional. You know, we had such an amazing time. 
honestly, I think they influenced it. Um, they was, of course, they do. <laughs> yeah, but in in this particular dream, I had walked into this room, and there was an exorcism exorcism taking place. Um, and this woman was late teens, early twenties, long dark hair, wearing a really ragged hospital gown, um, and. I walk in this room and this priest, and it's not a priest, it's a Jewish rabbi. Um, this rabbi's doing these prayers and he turns around and looks at me and screams at me. Um, and I didn't understand the language. And he keeps like shouting at me over and over and over, repeating these words, like screaming it at me. And in the meantime, this woman was walking backwards up a wall, like falling backwards up a wall that looked like the walls were melting. It was really, really, really bizarre. But I actually woke up with something ripping off my bedroom wall that night at, at that part of the dream. I, I woke up, I had a, a big sort of open board thing stuck on the wall. Um, and I woke up to that ripping at, like there were drawing pins and everything holding it in. And ripped out of the wall and crashed to the floor. I woke up, and that was round about the time that my father-in-law had passed away. So oh, wow. I had a really bizarre dream. This thing rips off the wall, wakes me up, and we get the news early hours of the morning. Um, but it was such a vivid dream that I actually, when I woke up from that noise, I grabbed a pen and paper and I wrote down what this rabbi was screaming at me. And oh god, off the top of my head, it was something like um Ikba or something like that. Anyway, I ended up translating it and it translated to spiritual woman pie. Oh which, wow. Which was really weird because I didn't know the language. Oh wow. Ooh, that gave yeah. me chills, MJ. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really hoping that's not like a weird premonition and that is just a horror movie influence. <laughs> So wait, how long, how long ago was how long ago was that? Um, almost four years ago. Yeah. Did any with that time. kind of um, with that kind of almost like warning? Did anything soon after that, besides the passing of your father-in-law, happen that was um, significant? Yes. So, oh God, this is going to get really depressing. Everyone listening, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> Well, we, we can go there. It's definitely. All right. Um, well, so the night I had that dream, we got the news that my father-in-law had passed. Um, six months later, my brother passed. Away. Six months later, my brother's son, my 12-year-old nephew, was diagnosed with lymphoma. Um, at the same time, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. At the same time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, so it was crazy, but it was just a bit of a shitstorm. <laughs> um, that's, that's incredible. It was everything hit all at once. Um, and so it was it was really strange to me because the the house that I was living in at the time there was a really nasty entity in this house. Um, and he had some form of, I think it was more of an elemental creature with him. Um, 
and he would try he would often i'd wake up this this guy standing in our bedroom and now i don't mind dead people hanging around in my house that's fine that's cool i'm good with it i i have grown up with spirits around me my entire life it's fine but there are boundaries one of those boundaries is my bedroom is my sanctuary no one and nothing is allowed in my bedroom the rest of my house how i have so many different haunted object things Yes, they are blessed. Yes, they are protected and all of that. But my house is kind of like a halfway house. Um, it's also built on ley lines. So, mm. you know, that kind of adds to it. Um, but I've always had this rule that nothing's allowed in my, my bedroom, my space. Especially not while I'm trying to get a decent night's sleep. Yes, this is a yeah. good policy. <laughs> yeah. Mama needs her beauty sleep, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you cannot pass. <laughs> So uh, I ended up waking up with this guy and this entity in the room around that time um, quite often. And I remember saying to him, all right, like, get out. May not be in this. This is my space. End of story. And the one day he just stood there. He looked at me and he went, we'll make you sick. Um, Holy crap. And I was diagnosed with cancer three months later. <gasps> Yeah, I was diagnosed this, with a tumor the size of a football. Along like, with there, all this other stuff you're talking about with your mom and, and the, the brother. Everything kind of hit at the same time. And at the time, I was working quite a few private cases as well, which some of them were really nasty. Um, so this warning was was completely almost in good faith, like telling you to yeah. batten the hatches. The... Yeah. Or was it curse-like? What, what did it feel like? The warning, I think the dream that I had, saying the spiritual woman hide, that sort of thing, I think that was kind of a batten down the hatches, oh, it's coming. <laughs> and then the design, yes. this, this person saying, we'll make you sick, was very menacing, really threatening. Yeah, um, that sounds threatening. Yeah, we, we moved out of there literally um so i was diagnosed not even not even three months later with this really bad tumor um and i i'm really lucky to still be here um, yes well i'm glad you are <laughs> so am i <laughs> did um, it okay so when when all that was going down that's lead that led up to your tumor and all this other this i mean in gen, just this sounds like mayhem um yeah, it was a bit of an intense time. <laughs> what do you think it's connected to for the so many things to synchronize up? You get the warning, all this stuff happens that leads up to your own dealing with your mortality, um, and then that entity coming through. I think, you know, a lot of times people go into the paranormal, and this is why I say this is every fiber of my being. Um, it's not just a little hobby. It's not just a little pastime. It's not like a, oh, I have an interest. This is my life. This is how I've grown up. It's how I've dealt with things. It's how it is. It is the paranormal influence every single decision, every every tiny detail of my life, everything. Um, and this is why I I say that you know that get into it as like oh it's a hobby or it's this or it's that which is fine but don't go around doing private cases 
things because you don't know what you're taking on. You don't know how bad things get. You know, a lot of people say that if you're dealing with a negative entity, they're not necessarily going to attack you. They're going to go after your family. They're going to go after the things that are closest to you. They're going to influence other things in your life, you know, cause havoc at work and in in your relationships, your friendship, your family, your health, your so it I do think that during that time period that I was doing several other private cases things, I do think that this particular entity that threatened saying we'll make you sick could have possibly had something to do with it. Um I've I've also realized that there was a bit of a pattern. Any physical mediums um, that actually feel how spirits passed, that sort of thing as well, which I tend to do as well. Um, I know so many of them, and I've noticed this pattern over the years that they all end up either cancer or just really random diseases and things at a very, very young age. Um, so I do think it takes its toll. Yeah, I, I've always wondered this. I have heard that, um, I don't know if it was a statistic. I'm not even sure, so I, I won't ponder in that direction. However, I have heard that um, this kind of work, deep spiritual work that is not, that is taking on others, right? And this includes others outside of this dimension we experience. Works heavily on our neurological system and the some of the systems of our physical body Absolutely. and so you know you hear it over and over with mediums and all this to clean it out mm -hmm. to you know, get it out a lot of people because i go through stages where i will do loads of tarot reading and and i'm happy to read for people you know do mediumship and use more mediumship on my investigations than the equipment per se. Um, and I go through stages where it's all spiritual and it's all, and I, that's because I feel in good health. And so I, I want to use these abilities and get more insights and help people and that sort of thing. But it drains you. It, it wears you down. Um, if you're not careful and if you're not, balancing that and upping your energy at the same time doing things just to kind of uplift yourself you can make yourself really really sick you're constantly giving a part of yourself away if that makes sense you're using so much of this energy and and giving so much of yourself that it does take a toll on your body it really does tapping into that side isn't as easy as people make it out to be you know it does have repercussions as well um, and I think that a lot of people go, oh, you know, I, you're doing readings for like three months straight and then I won't do any reading. I'll refuse to do them for a good five, six months. And it's just because I don't feel up to it. I don't, I don't physically feel ready for it. It's, there's so much more to it. That's why I don't get mediums that can just kind of like, oh yeah, click, switched on. I, 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 I don't know if I recall here, where was your tumor? Um, so I had ovarian cancer that spread up my spine, my lymphatic system. 
Oh my, the lymph system. Oof. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> Are you all good now? I am. I um, I actually went to my oncology test on Friday, and so I got the all clear. And they have decided to move my tests from every three months to every four months. So, yay! Oh, that's that's <laughs> wonderful, MJ. That's yes, great. yes. <laughs> um i did it again jerry's put this bug in my head about um and now i'm saying it all the time i know um, and then i catch myself and then <laughs> times worse or right well, jerry said that also it's um it, there we go so you said it again <laughs> it's funny how you can just this is a case for uh planting front loading someone or giving this power of suggestion <laughs> and yep. so i want to talk about i want to come back to this I, i'm we're going to come back to the dead it's it's where i like to end actually okay. however let's talk about the dream landscape and how you experience it in general and so what i'm looking for is uh architecture all the the sensate stuff reading glyphs all that what does the what does the dreamscape how do you encounter it what does it look like man don't even know how to answer that i don't know i don't most of the time that's really weird i've never really thought about that um most of the time especially if i'm dreaming about say for instance family member or something it is always in a very familiar place it'll always be in like my parents living room or i'll be it's always somewhere really familiar to me whether it's a family home or uh, my family's restaurant or the child the garden of the, the house that i grew up in as a child child at home um i don't know i've i very rarely actually dream that I'm in a place that that that's unfamiliar. I've never noticed that actually. <laughs> is is wow. there is there um oh geez color? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's so vivid. It's though it's as though I'm actually in my parents' living room. Every single detail, every absolute detail, from the fabric of the sofa that I'm sitting on to what's on tv to the sunlight coming through the window and onto my cheek every little detail is extremely real <laughs> okay and also reading text is it clear have you been able to read within yes your absolutely yeah very clearly actually that that fascinates me i i find personally i, I encounter others that do i every time i focus in on text it's it's like glyphs or it's you know i i i can't come to terms with what i'm seeing it, or, it, or it's not making sense but i i feel that in the end it's making sense on an uncon or a deeper unconscious level the only time you know come to think of it the only time that I ever dream of a place that I would, I would say unfamiliar, that I, it's a place that I don't, I don't know where this 
particular beach is. Um, it's nowhere I remember being, but it, when I start dreaming of, when I was talking about the water earlier and the crashing waves and murky water and everything, there's a particular beach that I'm standing on and I don't ever recall being there in, in my lifetime. So it is just this random beach, but it is always the same beach. That makes sense. It does. I'm just umming again. I've just caught myself. Um. <laughs> I bet Jerry's got it. <laughs> Front loading. Jerry has planted the bug. Yeah. <laughs> well, every time I bring it up, we're bringing it into consciousness since you've planted a little earworm on us. Yeah. So MJ, oh, see, so. <laughs> um, I did it right there. So MJ, the, the beach, does it pre, does it signify something that may be bigger when you encounter a reoccurrence and, and the beach clearly is, is there some, something that you can connect that, that makes it significant? Generally, that is, that is my trouble's coming. That is my one constant. So if I'm dreaming of this beach, and I, I remember very clearly when my grandmother passed away, the morning that she passed away, I, it was about six o'clock in the morning in South Africa that I woke up. Um, and she was stood on this beach, but there were rocks in the water and she was standing on these rocks and these waves were crashing all around her and she just stood there smiling at me and then disappeared wow. and i knew instantly like everything else in that scene was exactly the same the only difference was my grandmother was there so i instantly knew whatever this was it's to do with my grandmother yes there's something yes. surrounding her this is the only so everything else in that particular dream is a constant she is she was the only thing that was different or whoever it is that it's about you know whether it's turmoil in a relationship or friendship or work relationship or whatever the case may be she that would whatever is different whatever's odd that's not always there that's my kind of telltale sign of what's something's up there is yeah. there is there a sense of higher lucidity at this beach Little, or with, yeah. with the recurrent stuff? Yeah, absolutely. How do you experience higher lucidity or even moving into what is one of the highest forms, I think, is the out-of-body stuff? Astral projection stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. So I've, I've never really... Not that I know of when it comes to, like, uh, astral projection and that sort of thing I've never really had an out-of-body experience to that sense I think that when it comes to the dreams I, I know I am able to pull myself out of it and kind of stand back and watch things a lot clearer I don't know I don't yeah yeah I don't really know it's just, I don't really know how to explain it but it is, it's really strange. I pull myself completely out of the situation and I watch the dream from like a third 
angle. It's really bizarre. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's great. And and also it it's not uncommon. It, lucidity has a wide swatch of um, experiential type of energy to it. And so it's not always first person. Yeah, absolutely. That's not for me anyway. So with deja vu, I want to I want to tie in because you're a paranormal investigator. So I, I like tying that all into this. Mm -hmm. So with with deja vu and reoccurrence and stuff, when you're having a deja, I'm assuming you have them. I mm -hmm. shouldn't say that. Yep. So when you're oh, I gives you a general a generalized because I know every experience a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Am I back? Yep. So when you're having a deja vu and say you're on a case, mm -hmm. what do those signify? What do those signify for you? So, um, ah, damn it, I'm umming again. Ah, oh, look what you've done. <laughs> That's <laughs> a theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think it's really about filling blank space either. And I think once it's in our heads, it's called in neuroscience, you know, it's the earworm, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, so think, I think that once I've had, I've, I've really ever had deja vu on a case, maybe a couple of times. Um, and it was a sense of, A, I'm exactly, I'm doing the exact case that I'm meant to be doing. So. So the once that I did have it, it was more of a sense of me being really worried. Should I have taken this case on? Is this, you know, too much to handle? Have I bitten off more than I can chew? Am I experienced enough to be dealing with this? Can I help these people? You know, these are all the questions that's going through the through my head. And I went into the case and it was a very, very, very strong sense of deja vu. And to me, that was kind of my putting my mind at ease that I am doing exactly what I am meant to be doing. I mean, the exact position at the exact time and the exact place that I am meant to be. And I have always taken that. I've always thought that's what deja vu is to me anyway. It's that moment, that slip where you are, you're on the right track. You are doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing at that very moment. So all the decisions that you have made up until that point that put you in that position were what you were supposed to do. Everything that went wrong that you thought was the end of the world and pushed you in maybe a different direction, those things were meant to happen to push you in this direction. You were meant to make these choices and you are where you are supposed to be. So I don't know if it so much as just influencing the cases that I've worked. Like I say, that's only happened a couple of times, but in everyday life, I definitely think that that is i i kind of like deja vu i do get it quite vividly every now and again and think perfect yes i've i've made the right choices then if i'm where i'm supposed to be that's great so i do think jerry you're in my head <laughs> <laughs> i really do um there's there's certain things that line up just so perfectly too perfectly and yes, I always think that, you know, when you're when you're fighting against the universe, when you're fighting against what you're supposed to be doing, when you are being the rebel and you're not 
listening to your gut instinct or you you know you're too scared to go down a certain path so you keep fighting it you keep pushing it aside you keep making other choices that kind of leads you off that path i think that the world has a way of pushing you straight back on it um and it's those little synchronicities it's those those moments of deja vu it's it's the little things that kind of push you back to that it's every time i think do you know what i'm sick and tired of the paranormal <laughs> i'm sick and tired. why do i have to be a weirdo that has to deal with all this crap all the time why do i have to hold other people's weird cases and help them and what do i get out of it? i get nothing out of it tired all the time i'm you know and i have these moments everybody has these moments it's human nature mm-hmm. you know to go that's it i'm i'm tired why why should i help people all the damn time why should i do this why should i do that and i think i'm gonna take and this has actually very recently happened where i've gone i've just had the worst two weeks everything that could go wrong has gone wrong Murphy's laws in full effect Mercury's in retrograde, damn it. You know, there's so many different things that's just going so wrong. And I've thought to myself, you know, this why can't anything just go right? Just be easy. And I've been forced to make certain decisions. And today I've had a fantastic day. Everything has fallen into place. Every single little thing. It couldn't have been more perfect. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> MJ is have used in your adult life and really closer to now do you still get things that would qualify as say night terrors or nightmares um I haven't had my goodness I had my first nightmare in a very, very long time, probably about two weeks ago. And I'm just trying to think what it was about. I was just trying to dig up some detail. Oh, okay. This is really weird. And it's due to watching probably far too many cute kitten videos. (laughs) 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 I had a really bad nightmare that my husband was trying to drown a kitten. Um, It was... (laughs) That was that was my really bad night. <laughs> oh, that is terrible, though. It was. It was really horrible. I felt really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, this. But no, 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 like night terrors and things. I've not had that forever. Well, it, you know, it, I wanted to know that. I always want to know that, of course, is dreams are what I'm interested in. However, it's the fact that you deal with the paranormal makes it more significant because you're going into dark darkness, really, yeah. and dealing with all that. So it's really funny. I have um, a lot of people that say to me, you know, you, you're constantly in abandoned asylums or dealing with really tough cases and working with priests and all sorts of things. And there's a lot of darkness, but you know what? not really come across i've come across grandma joe that's really pissed off because you changed the kitchen and she doesn't like the color of the paint you know so she's throwing a tantrum but i've not come across things that are i that i would say be demonic or really dark i mean i've come across a few nasty things but i think just as 
just as though some people are are arrogant and aggressive and you know just nasty people in in this lifetime i think that once you cross over you're pretty much the same in the next lifetime but could you imagine now there's a serial killer and the serial killer gets shot and then the next life in that side he's now a serial killer with a sick twisted demented mind who can prey on people and you can't stop like you don't know he's there Mm -hmm. so I, I think I have come across quite a few nasty pieces of work on that side, but yeah, I've not really come across anything too bad. And because of those sort of things, because of dealing with all of that, I have a bit of a ritual when I get into bed. Um, the moment I get into bed, I get myself nice and comfortable and I not only ground myself, surround myself in my beautiful white light, which it's funny because the first time when I was developing my mediumship and the first time someone said to me, you just picture this beautiful ball of white light around you and you're protected. I was like, what? <laughs> like I picture this ball of light around me and bada boom, bada bing, I'm protected. Woohoo. I couldn't grasp that. Like my, I could wrap my mind around that. It took a really long time for me to, to actually believe that that worked. Um, and it does. It really does. I think it's more of your intent and pushing yes. that energy. It is just more of your intent and your belief in it. And well, intent is, yeah, that yeah. is all psychic energy. Absolutely. Exactly. So, which is why. It, and um, so I, when I get into bed, my very first thing that I do is get really comfortable and wrap not only myself in a bubble of white light, but I do it around my entire bed as well to kind of protect the hubby too. Yes. That's love, isn't it? It is, indeed. <laughs> um, oh, there we go. <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, again, then I do have my, my invisible AT, as I call them. So it's kind of like, all right, guys, you know what to do. This is my bedtime. Gotta get the beauty sleep. Is there a distinction for you? So I want to tie this back into the dreamscape. However, I'm wondering what the distinction for you is between um, all the, and, and, and forgive me, I don't know the, all the language, between mm-hmm. people who've passed that were having human experiences, right? Like say, you know, people we know or people we can tie to a human experience, like a haunting yep. in a house. And um Stuff, entities that are, you know, people will throw demon on or other other kind of entities out there in in the ether. Oh my goodness, there's so many. So I think in today's life, thanks to Hollywood, oh my goodness, wonderful television shows, everything is hashtag it's a demon. Um everything. Everything is demon. Dear God. You know, and it was so funny because I, I run the, the stage paracon, the paranormal convention over here in England. And I remembered a few teams that had said to me a couple of years ago, like, hey, if you're doing this again, drop us an email, let us know. And so this year I decided to email a whole group, like massive database of people 
just to let them know that, you know, have a look at the website, whatever the case may be, and subscribe if you don't want to do it, whatever the case. And I couldn't stop laughing at the amount of responses and replies that I got from these little paranormal teams saying, oh, we can't make it that weekend of the convention because we're on a case and it's demonic. And I was sitting there looking at these responses, thinking to myself, first of all, Jesus, child, you have no idea. Right? You should not be doing private cases. You clearly do not have enough experience to be dealing with this. And you're far too easily influenced by the paranormal pop culture. Not everything is a demon. Exactly. And not only that, if you've not investigated the case yet, how the how do you know it's demonic? I think about this for a second. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful point to make. So everybody's in, they're going in with preloaded with all of this. Oh, I think it's demonic because I've been watching too much Ghost Adventures. You know, everything's a demon. So clearly this is a demon. Um, but it was just so funny to, to sit back and have a look at all of those wonderful emails. Now. When it comes to different entities that I think kind of blame quite a bit for all things demonic, I think, you know, you're looking at imps and elementals and there's so many different things out there that we have yet to even discover, even as mediums or investigators or, you know, hell, the first time I came across an elemental, I remember sitting there thinking, what? the hell is that that's not human what is it that i mean fairies and things don't exist right so i think there's so many different other creatures if you want to call it on the other side that get blamed entities yeah that get blamed yeah absolutely <laughs> okay Sometimes, yes. Yeah, um, depending. So I definitely do catch myself doing this on a regular a, a regular basis when I'm doing investigations, especially in some of the locations that we have here. Like, for instance, you know, the church next to my house is built in 1100. It's a gorgeous church. It is. So, so my house, the guild hall right next to me and the church next to that are on the ley line crossroads. Um, and there's a 650 year old hotel across the road that's on the opposite side. Um, I love England and Europe for the age of things. It's, it's amazing. It really yeah. is. That's exactly why I'm here. But um, I find myself when I'm in, buildings that old that I tend to if I'm walking up a staircase or something I tend to put my hand up on the stone wall and that sort of thing because it does when it comes to psychometry and that it, I do tend to pick up quite a bit so it does help awesome I just found out I was muted that whole time since I got back <laughs> the question oh. I had, the question I'd oh, asked wow. her yeah sorry everyone Jerry <laughs> asked show, some great questions yeah, the show is crazy um I had asked her if her claircognizance ever manifested as 
psychometry. And then I, I asked another question, which diverted that complete question about the ley lines. MJ, MJ, you have brought the the um, the spirits with you on the show today. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it truly has been. No, my head is elsewhere. It's this is too early for me to be in an Oxmente mood because it's like this is part of my work day and work's still talking to me and you know you know how it is. Well, you yeah, don't, but, you don't know mean, how it is. It's, my, we have it's had... my fault. It's no one else's. Well, not necessarily, Jerry. We've had the elves all around us, or whatever you want to call them. So, and it's Demons. I, I'm applying synchronicity here because this is the stuff that MJ deals with. Yep, and she, and she pre-warned us. So it's I think it's par for the course and fantastic. I'll <laughs> tell you one thing. I know I muted my microphone twice, and it came unmuted. And it's a physical button, so that is pretty interesting. <laughs> when when. It, at one point during the show, I was listening to the meeting, and it was actually going out in the broadcast. Oh, <laughs> my, oh my, really? Yeah, that was oh. awesome. So then I figured <laughs> that out. I muted my microphone, okay. and it came, it came unmuted, and then people could hear the meeting again. Anyway, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah oh, this wow. has been unusual. This has been a, the most unusual Noxmente show to date, I must say. I'm of sorry. Those things. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> I and there I ummed it again. <laughs> I have a question from uh, someone in the audience asked if, yeah. uh, how can we protect ourselves from negative entities? What's the best practices there? Okay. So um, this doesn't even go down to whatever religion you are. So one of the big things, when you're talking about negative entities, one of the big things that I always asked when I was learning all of this was if something is demonic negative or whatever the case may be and i'm not christian then what do you know what i mean so if if christianity is not my belief and i can't go hey i want god to protect me or jesus christ or you know the archangels whatever the case may be then how do i protect myself so your protection comes down to whatever it is you believe in it doesn't have to be any specific religion. It doesn't have to be, you know, that there's only work with angels or whatever the case may be. It has to come down to this. If you believe in something good, that is your basis. That is your, that is where you stem your, your protection and your everything around, right? So one of the biggest things that I would suggest is a learning how to ground and protect yourself. Grounding is really, really easy. Um, it could take as little as two minutes. It could take you 10 minutes. You could sit on the side of your bed or on a comfortable chair, or you could do it standing up, have your feet shoulder width apart. It's best to not have any shoes on, whether you're indoors or outdoors, preferably in get your feet in the soil or on the grass, probably the better place to do it. But if it's cold and raining or snowing, you don't want to be sticking your toes in the mud and freezing. So just try it at home, feet shoulder width apart, take nice deep breaths. And best way, the best visualization that I use is picturing roots growing out the bottom of my feet, the soles of my feet into the ground, kind of planting me firmly in the ground and any negative energy i will see that as black sludge going through 
my whole body down into the roots and releasing it back into the ground to get rid of it. That is a really good visual visualization um, to help ground yourself, first of all. And then protecting yourself again is just picturing a really bright white light surrounding yourself. Um, it really does work. The whole point of it is your energy, your intent. The way I can explain it is, um, hmm. so you know when you walk into a room when people have had an argument and you can cut that tension with a knife, you can feel it in the air. And you don't have to be psychic or anything to be able to pick up on that. You can feel that just, oh boy, I need to get out of here. Yes, it's for like sure. going home for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we've got that coming up. So you'll all know exactly what I'm talking about in less than a week. Um, so that you're picking up on energy. Whether you are psychic or not, you are picking up on that energy. You can feel it in the air. So imagine that. You are pushing out an energy that your thought is, I'm going to protect myself. This is my space. This little bubble that I'm putting over myself, this bubble is my space. You cannot come near it. You cannot break through it. It is me, mine, that is it. That is your intent. That is what you're putting out. So what you're just pushing out by doing that is exactly the same kind of thing that you're feeling when you walk into a room and people have had an argument, you walking into their space, feeling that emotion and that, that tension and that energy. So if you're pushing out a protective layer, people that are going to try and get through that layer are going to feel it. They're going to walk up to you and be like, oh, no, no, no. All right, back away slowly. You know, it's the exact same thing. So give it a try. Um, that is the easiest way to ground and protect yourself. Again, you can have amulets. I mean, if you're a Christian, you want to wear a cross. That's great. If you want to wear blessed amulets, if you want to use crystals, black tourmaline is great for protection. So is hematite. I love black tourmaline. And uh, also Whitby Jet. I would say if you're going to work with deities, to think of them as batteries that are charged by the believers. And if you're a believer in that, you're feeding into this. It's like a uh, co-op, you know. You, get, you can take energy out of it, too. And that, and that would, oh Jesus, that would be in the form of extra power to whatever you're trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Super batteries. I have, I have a question concerned around this about the when you're in investigations, electrical stuff affects it. Is this correct? Like a, you know, where the wires come into the house and all this. Yes. Okay. So let's start with um, an EMF field is caused when you have an electric current running through a conductor. It'll create a field of energy around it, um, which is your EMF field, electromagnetic field, right? Now, it is also said that spirits are made up of EMF energy. So you have to be really careful on an investigation because if you're going into an investigation thinking that every single tiny little thing that sets off K2 meter is a ghost, you're very wrong. Those devices were actually created not to find ghosts, but to find wiring in walls, faulty mm -hmm. wiring, um, you know, to find electrical outlets that are, that maybe have 
too many plugs or things plugged into one extension cord, that kind of thing. It all gives off EMF energy, right? Now, here's the thing. EMF energy has a very strange reaction to the human body. Well, so the human body reacts really strangely to EMF, shall I say. So EMF energy can make you feel very dizzy. It can make you feel nauseous. It can make the hair on your neck stand up, giving you goosebumps. It can make you feel paranoid. It can give you headaches. And these are all natural side effects of what the human body experiences when you're in an EMF field. So when you're on an investigation, you need to be really careful because, yes, high EMF fields of natural, naturally caused high EMF fields will set off all of your equipment. The point you're trying to do, which is why you do baseline readings, is when you're in an investigation, you walk through the house or the building or whatever the case is, and you'll go through it with the Mel meter or a K2 meter or any other trimeter or anything else that measures the electromagnetic field. You will pinpoint the areas that high, have high EMF fields, like, for instance, a lot of wiring, uh, certain lights and things give a flood of EMF. So you would note all of those areas so that you're aware of them. If you are in a room that has no EMF field, it's baselining on 0 0.0 to 0 0.5 gauss. That's kind of your normal range. Um, so if you have a baseline of that and you ask a spirit to step forward and communicate with you using that device by touching it and lighting it up, and it does so on command, that is generally a, something to look at. It's not 100% that is paranormal, but if it is happening on command, on cue, every single time, that is definitely interesting. Um, so with, all, with that in mind, how do you think the new 5G grid that's rolling out all over in the Western world, at least, mm -hmm. is going to affect those kinds of things and so not just investigations but people's experience with a, um it could this be a portal are we opening up a larger um access to those realms i have not even thought of it to be honest with, I five, really with have... 5g yeah like versus cern I have not thought about it at all. I can't see you. Yes, you know, do you, are you familiar with the 5G rollout? No, not at all. <laughs> so I, it's, I it's just, it's, it. no, that's all right. It's just about faster internet and they're, yeah, and they're just, they're making the towers closer because the, the. It's, it's a form of, okay. So because it's such a high. But obviously I, I know about the 4G and everything that they rolled out not so long ago, absolutely. But right. I, didn't, I didn't even know 5G was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. And it's, um, it's more intense. They're high-density packets, which means they don't go as far when it's broadcast, so they have to okay. put repeaters up and broadcast at a stronger uh, energy levels. And, and the, the wavelength is, gets up into the, the gigahertz range. It's not, or I think it was terahertz, I'm not sure. But it's it's up in like higher brain function organ kind of frequency ranges. Oh wow! Like and they're microwaves. They can be under, I think it was uh, a centimeter or a millimeter, up to that small. So, 
And in terms of this, especially with uh, what you do and also with this question of it, so it's, it's locking a tighter electrical grid around us. And, and so that's more intense. And so I'm wondering how that's going to change this kind of landscape really, and work with it. That is really interesting because, you know, as, you, as I was speaking about, you know, the, the basics of EMF energy and that sort of thing, on the other side of things, you know, that's more of a debunking side. On the other side of things, obviously, spirits use energy. Entities will use energy from, from us, from electrical appliances, from, I mean, we all know as a ghost hunter, one of your biggest things that you need is batteries because if you're in an active location you can go through so many batteries that just inexplicably drain but yet at the same time you're able to capture something manifesting maybe it's a photograph maybe it's something on camera or something happening you know speaking through any devices but you generally have a form of activity once you've had these battery drains or once you've had you know, your energy, energy drained or something. So I think by, yeah, if you're opening up such a, a massive, you're locking you in with this electrical grid. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if it will affect, um, so if, if it's true that the spirit realm or whatever exists in the EMF field of earth or in the ether or whatever, I wonder how 5G, those microwaves will affect that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a, I, 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 Definitely could not answer you that. No, I know. We're <laughs> but, speculating. I also want yeah. to bring up that Cliff High said in that interview on Leak Project, the LARP, by the way, um, that 5G is being rolled out to dampen the effects of mind control by the higher-up dimension, whatever that is. Whatever he claims that we're being controlled by, those entities are using some kind of mind control, and the 5G is supposed he thinks may eliminate that the hold that that has, dampen it, if you will. I thought huh. it was an interesting take. That was really interesting. Okay, you're gonna have me researching forever now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it is interesting in context to to this, um, to to what you do, and also I think as far as the idea of how everything energy is electric. You know, and it's Cliff High threw in a threw a wrench in all of it. I was perceiving 5G as all negative, and I just went there with it. And then he throws in this wrench that possibly it's it's it could be protecting us. So, yeah. Um, but what you find in Jay, let us know, especially as you're in your future uh, cases. I'm definitely going to keep it in mind. Definitely, so, I, I, if I have any. Any information to bring back to you guys, I will. Yeah, I'm thinking about this now. I'm thinking now too, because I'm thinking, well, I wonder if it would dampen your ability in any way or that's, enhance that's them. That's what I'm thinking. How, how will that affect sensitive people? Yes. Huh. Are you ready for another crazy question? Yes, throw it at me. Ooh. Aliens, space aliens. What about them? What do you think about them? Well, we can't be the only daft ones in this universe. Okay, never mind. <laughs> and, and when you say aliens, it doesn't have to necessarily be space. This could be interdimensional, yeah. right? Absolutely. And you deal with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't... Personally, I have never come across anything 
well as elementals, but they're usually born of, of earth energy. They've never been human. Yes. I, um, I've never really come across anything that I would consider alien. I'd mm. love to. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I am totally, like, the moment I come across anyone from any other realm or any dimension or anything other than ours or what I am able to tap into on the other side, I am most certainly going to get them to sit their ass down because I have questions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I love your perspective. Unfortunately, so they're reluctant at times. Um, yeah, yeah, I got one exactly. more question. <clears throat> yeah. um, have you or anyone you know pick up a hitchhiker after an investigation? Yes. Oh my God, they are the worst. Mm -hmm. Yes. Several occasions, actually. Um, this comes down to da, 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 not protecting yourself properly before an investigation. Mm -hmm. I am guilty of this myself. Um, I, oh my gosh, one of the worst, it's probably one of my scariest moments in all my years of doing this. I got pulled into this private cave and this woman had three teenagers in the house, two daughters and a son, and they were all experiencing some really bizarre things in the house. And they'd all seen this woman in a really tatty kind of worn hospital gown just i mean it the essential lunatic asylum crazy lady you know what you would picture that that's pretty much how they pictured it well put it to me and they'd seen her in the house they'd seen her around the outside of the house they'd had all sorts of crazy experiences and they wanted obviously everything to stop um there was a lot of fighting and a lot of bickering and a, so my first thing was Interesting. Okay, so you have three teenagers going through puberty in a house, all slamming doors, bickering, cloning, bitching at each other, which that is just a, a mixing pot for poltergeist activity. That is just, you are brewing your own entity right there with all that negativity and all those hormones and all that, you know, so it's generally cases like that, I'm like, open and shut. This is kind of what we're dealing with. However, this case was a bit different. After doing my research on the property, I realized that the house was built on the grounds of an old insane asylum. And we had gone in, we'd done the cleansing. We actually picked up on this woman, this entity in the house. We did the cleansing. We put a protection up around the house. We did a blessing. We had crystals and things everywhere. We had all sorts. We had to protect it up to the building. And I went home. Bear in mind, I lived about 300 meters down the road. I walked back to my house. I didn't even have to drive. I just strolled down the road back to my house. And I got home and I felt dirty. Not so much, not, not physically dirty, but like spiritually, I just felt like there was this sludge energy. It was horrible. So I went, I took a really hot shower, got out of the shower, and I noticed my laptop was open on my desk, but it was off. And I caught a glimpse of this woman in the reflection of my laptop. And I thought, oh, crap. Oh, she's, my. She's followed me home. I felt something rush up towards me. Actually, I was talking about this. <clears throat> You're um, like the reflection queen here, getting all these reflections. See, I know. Yeah. I love it. I've got that great photo as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I um, felt something rush up towards me and then felt this really intense burning on my neck. And I went straight up to the mirror, pulled my hair aside and had a full-on human white mark on my neck. You could actually see each individual tooth mark. <laughs> um, that was, which makes sense because if you were, you know, back in the day, if you were put in a mental institute, women were admitted into mental asylums for hysteria or for reading. <laughs> you know, there was a whole list of really random things that they were admitted for. But they witchery. Yeah, absolutely. So they they wouldn't have been, you know hysterical or whatever the case may be but when they were restrained and no one was listening to them eventually over a period of weeks or months or whatever the case may be of not getting your point across you are going to become hysterical and frustrated and then it was kind of oh look they are crazy and anytime they tried to restrain these people women especially would try and bite you but they would go for either the side of your hip area your your love handle that was easy to get enough grip or they would go for your neck so it was unsurprising to me that I stepped out of the shower and had this woman who'd followed me home from this case bite me in the neck because of given her situation that, you know, it's what she would have done. And she was probably really pissed that I kicked her out of her space. Oh, wow. <laughs> probably. That's incredible. That's probably incredible. the word. Incredible. What about, what, how do you view death and dead people like the process what's going on especially if you're here this is i've been waiting this is usually where i i i submit my last bit and we do questions and i've been anticipating this from you in particular so what do i think of death and dead people yeah the process of dying and then when we get there what's going on with it what is death as opposed to what is here and now what we're calling life and waking this this experience what are the differences damn <laughs> wow i'm gonna have to think about that in a second because i can go really in depth with this um huh so I don't in a heaven and hell. Um, I believe that, and this is from my experiences as a medium. This is kind of, I used to believe in heaven, hell, all the rest, everything, you know. But, but when you develop your mediumship, that kind of all goes up in the air. Um, yes, and this is why I've been anticipating your response. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely all just goes up in the air. Um, I think that life is the most amazing adventure and we are here to learn certain lessons that I think, I think when you die, I think when you transition over, I think the afterlife, I think that's where it's at. <laughs> like I'm really excited about dying. Just don't want to do it anytime soon. <laughs> um, I think that you you're in this life and you have these experiences and you are tested and you are put through so many different things and it's how you handle it and how spiritually aware you are and, and how you accept in this life that you know death is but the beginning um i think that once we cross over to the other side 
there is sort of an in-between. I feel as though there are those who have crossed over who will not accept that they are dead, which is why we have these hauntings and things. They don't want to go. Maybe they don't see the light or whatever it is on the other side. Not so sure on that either. But I feel as though there's here, there's an in-between, and there is like another life, like another whole life. I feel it's a whole... Like ah. It's a nexus. It's a roundhouse. Yeah. You can go somewhere else from there. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like, people ask me what the difference is between ghosts and spirits and haunting things. And the way I can break it down is what I believe a ghost is somebody who has that unfinished business, who is has been murdered and is pissed off, or who died and still decided that they are too worried about their family that are left behind to go anywhere. You know, that there's something that's tethering them to this life. And so they stick around that way. And then I feel there's people like my father or my brother. They're not bound to a location. They're not bound by anything. They're crossed over. They're on, they're in that, that like third section, the life middle end section. I believe they've crossed over to that and they can come back and visit whenever they want to. They're not bound to anything, which is great. Um, I, I don't know. All I know is it sounds really weird, but I'm really excited to die. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, Montana Jordan always says, yay, death. You know, she's, yeah. you know, there's no fear there. And I have no fear also. I'm just curious. Oh, I've lost you again. What the membrane is. Am I back? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I'm curious as to what you feel the membrane is between, say, like, where's your consciousness? Your great, where's your consciousness? This membrane between like, here veil? and there. Yeah. What is the veil? Where is the veil? I think of it as a membrane. Like when we come through birth, you know, it feels the same. It's kind of the same experience to me. I have no idea. I couldn't answer that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no problem. <laughs> we don't demand answers. No, I know. Yet. I know, I know. Yet. I'm thinking. It's just it's strange to me. I feel like mediums and things have... Obviously, they've got the closer connection to the other side. Is it? Is it just that we are using... I, I don't know. I mean, even if you said you're using... You're using parts of your brain that others aren't training or whatever the case may be or or that still doesn't answer how it's like you say the membrane the 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 veil the veil the i don't know i have no idea i'm that's, a that's I honest i love it <laughs> I... Know, people ask me things and even though i'm a medium and if i don't have the answer or if i don't if I can't wrap my brain around something, I'm going to go, do you know what? I have no idea. Yeah. Yes. And that, well, uh, that's, I think, the best way to proceed with an answer as well. So you had mentioned um, the spirits seeing the light, missing the light, quote unquote. Um, have you ever been exposed to the whole false light phenomenon? People who talk that up, how it's actually 
uh, soul recycling trap. I have never heard of that. Okay, I don't want to send you down another rabbit hole. Oh, no, 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 do it. I just did. That's and there it is. That the moon is some kind of control center, and it sends out this false light when you die. And if you go into it, you are put into like some kind of recycle, put back into another body immediately. You have no time to recoup, heal, whatever. It's like a bug light that zaps you. Yeah, that's what some people believe. <laughs> this. I'm just sitting here to get my, my mouth hanging open. I'm like, wow, I need to research. This. No, you don't need to research. <laughs> Of course I do. Okay, so who talks about that? David Icke, I think, talks about that. Well, it's all over. I'm not sure where it generated from. Huh. Have you dealt with, with so in, in the field you're in, and then being interested also, just coming in as a natural kind of witchy person, what about dealing with like Santeria and voodoo and hoodoo, this you, you stuff? You just stole my question. God damn Did you. I? I'm sorry, Jerry. <laughs> Jeez. You've done that to me so many times, Jer. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. So I don't have much experience with voodoo and that sort of thing. Um, I know a bit about it. I don't profess to be, you know, very well versed in, in voodoo rituals and that sort of thing. Um, I definitely have come across some interesting things. I had a very strange thing happen, actually. Uh, we all know the voodoo queen Bloody Mary down in New Orleans. Um, if you don't, Bloody Mary's fantastic. She's a really, really awesome writer as well. So I highly recommend reading some of her stuff. Um, so I had this really weird thing happen. Usually when I go on investigations and that, and there has been some form of witchcraft, whether it's, you know, the light and fluffy Wiccan side of things, or whether it's a bit more in depth and a bit darker, whatever the case may be. If there's any form of craft or voodoo or santeria or anything like that, that's been performed in a location, I tend to see the symbols. I tend to see bits and pieces of the ritual. It's really weird, but I pick up all these flashes of things. Energetic residue. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so I went to this investigation, really small place, and I kept getting these flashes of these symbols and I kept doodling them. And I kept you thinking, summoned a demon. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like trying to pronounce Ikea furniture names. Summon a demon doing that. <laughs> and he won't help put it together either. <laughs> yeah, right. If only. So um no, but I kept like scribbling the stuff down and trying to figure it out. And I was looking at these symbols going, well, I mean I know I know Wiccan things, some symbology. I know sigils and things. And this doesn't resonate with me. Like, this doesn't look anything like that. This looks more voodoo. And I don't know enough about it. And I kept picking up that somebody was drawing the voodoo symbols and things everywhere in order to conjure spirits in this location so that the location was active 
for paranormal investigators to keep hiring it, to keep coming back for more activity. Oh, that's interesting. So the more they would conjure in this place, the more active the place is, the more investigators would talk about it and be like, oh my God, that's a number one location. All of a sudden, the price went through the roof. People were booking it midweek. It was booked constantly. Weekends, you had to wait forever to get in there. And they were charging a fortune. But this was just rolling out the cash. And it was due to the owners meddling in all things voodoo. But I didn't know it was voodoo at the time. I had my suspicions. I didn't know what it meant at all. And I went to New Orleans. I was on a tour there uh, three years ago. One of my favorite cities. I love I know, it so much. Oh, oh my God. Ola completely like, stole my heart. Yes. like piss and beer there. It's great. It's great <laughs> it is fantastic. I love it. So um, I went over to New Orleans. I was there for about four days before doing a paranormal cruise and everything out of there. And we had taken, because I was one of the speakers on the cruise, so we had taken a group of people on a voodoo tour um, with Bloody Mary, and we'd done a whole bunch of other things while we were there investigating and all of that. And we walked into Bloody Mary's house. Um, I don't know if anyone's listening has watched the episode of Ghost Adventures where Zach and the guys investigate the voodoo queen Bloody Mary's house. It's a very interesting place. And... Um, so we walked into her house and she closed the door behind the group. And this symbol that I had been drawing, trying to figure it out, was painted across the entire back of her door. The whole door had this entire thing painted all over it. And I was in shock. I literally just stood there staring at it. And I looked at it and I was like, what the hell is that? And she was ever so calm. She was like, well, that's Papa Legba. I'm like, oh, the Veve for a Legba, yeah what and yeah so it, it was his um what do you call it oh i just lost the word that's his veve yeah 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 his veve. so and everyone was kind of like what the hell are you going on about and i was like well that's to open the gateway between the worlds that's what it's for um and to you know welcome papa legba in to to help with that gateway to bring people in and it, it was just, it was weird because that was the first time I'd ever had a run-in with anything to do with voodoo on an on a investigation. I mean, that's not very popular here. So we don't really have much of that. Witchcraft, on the other hand, we have that side of it. Really yeah, fun. yeah. It's definitely, voodoo is definitely in hoodoo. Of course, we're the home of hoodoo. That, I find this extremely significant, though. Uh, doing more psychic work via, in this case, voodoo, brought on more psychic phenomena, which was in turn bringing in more sugared business, right? Yeah. That's compelling. Yeah, they were, um, they were using it to, uh, to conjure things, to yeah, bring in more investigators. Everybody wants an active location to investigate, so. Right, but Udana it also. Is powerful. The, the the thing I can't help but think about is how it's like a scam. Absolutely. And yeah, that's, I mean, to me, well, I, I was like, how dare you? Yeah, and <laughs> it's going to backfire on him eventually. So yeah, exactly. that's cool with me. It reminds me of what's happened, I think, what's happened in the UFO community where you've got actors, wherever they may be from, 
generating buzz about UFOs and then this whole, you know, the convention circuit came up around it and mm-hmm. the lore, just all of that's been supplanted. It's it's I think it's a lot of fake history that's been built upon. So now it's a multi-million dollar industry, much like Absolutely. paranormal, so the people are just getting in there, yeah. But isn't there something compelling about say so you can say it's a scam but if there's actually psychic energy brought into the conversation here with doing rituals which is applying psychic energy to a space right and (laughs) overlaying even dreams on the sidewalk so um i wasn't saying that it wasn't a hot spot it's like unethical i hear you yeah 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 it's unethical that's it i mean do you do i mean what about the poor sods they're conjuring? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Stuck there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I do think, I mean, it's it, uh, clearly they've made a business of it, sadly. And, uh, you know, I guess good for them on their parts. But for the rest of us that are investigating or curious, it totally. is misleading. Yeah, I totally feel that uh, whatever they've brought in is really not nice. Mm hmm. Um, so I think that's going to backfire very quickly. And I, I feel for the people that, you know, we've gone back and we've investigated it since, and the place has a horrible feeling to it. Um, oh my. it's, it used to be one of my favorite locations and now I won't go back there because whatever they brought in is so negative. I don't want to chance that thing coming home with me or one of those things. Well- Yes, I mean they must. What they're bringing in also. So if they're doing it, they don't for know financial they're... gain, right? You're of course going to bring the lowest of the low. That is the lowest of the low energy. Exactly. So there's yeah. Fortunately, um, it's all those lower astral like... fuckers, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, that's. Quite a trend in the UK recently, actually. People conjuring things up to keep a place active. I'm wondering now if, God, you got me thinking about so many things right now. Um, I'm curious if, not, I'm not looking for an answer, it's just mm-hmm. speculation. I wonder how common it is that people summon ETs or greys or reptilians or whatever, you know, some thing, entity. And that could, I know that there's a lot of uh, gray stuff in in England. And that's what Nish Scotland, referred to. Huge hotspot for it. Ireland too. All the, whole, all the oh, Wales as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a group out there called the Basis Project, which have been investigating this for a while. And, you know, they assert that the government has been in cahoots with these entities to doing whatever. I don't know what the, you know, whatever it is, they're together working on together. So how does that work <laughs> if, they've, if they're summoned things, you know? But that, well, anyway. you know what? I mean, I wonder how much truth there is to it. And, and it makes me think of things like um, the spirit box. So the spirit box, the SP7, was created by Gary Gulker. And Chris Fleming had a really big part in working on that project. And it was Chris who 
communicated with spirits on the other side. And they told them how to build it, how it would work. But this is it. This is not the first time that I've heard of somebody speaking to entities on the other side, be it Grandma Joe or be it Gray or whoever, or an elemental or whoever it is on the other side, but having an entity on the other side telling them how to build a piece of equipment. Of technology. Now that I've just, now that those words have just come out of my mouth, I have just remembered a really strange, bizarre dream that I had two days ago. Unfold it. (laughs) Yay. Oh my gosh. I literally. I told told you this was going to happen. That is so bizarre. Um, So I actually had a dream that wasn't very vivid for a change. It was quite, I don't really remember much of it which is very unusual for me, but I dreamt that somebody was telling me that I was going to start making equipment, making my own equipment, and they would teach me how. I can't, I can't make equipment. I know nothing about it. God, I can't even use a washing properly, let alone strip something and back together. (laughs) Oh, wow. Do you remember? So within this, do you remember who was telling you? I don't. And I remember I remember feeling as though there was a crowd of people. Uh-huh. And one or two of them speaking out saying, We're gonna teach you. You're we're gonna teach you. You're gonna make it step by step. You're gonna build your own equipment. Oh wow. This sounds like it could lead into a download, MJ. Yeah, totally. Ooh. You know, this uh, idea. What's this ooh? What's this ooh? Oh, I know. I'm just really hoping it does. That would be amazing. I can't draw a stick man, but hey, I've tattooed someone. There you (laughs) You go. I'll give it my best shot. Be surprised how easy it is to put together a radio or something small. (laughs) I totally forgot my question. I'm sorry, Jerry. I thought more was coming coming up. It's the one I didn't write down. Always that way. Did you get, did you um, compile questions from the chat or have, because you've been I, asking, so I don't know if they've been coming I have been weaving them in. I remember what I was going to say. Thank you, Suzanne. Even though she didn't give me the answer. Um, that experience of receiving technology, technological documentation, instructions from the spirit realm is not uncommon. Or Absolutely. not not unheard of. I mean, It's not, it's, I've actually, I've heard it from, I mean, in, in my years of working in this field, I've probably heard it from about three or four different people at least. Allegedly, the Nazis were all into that. You know, that's where they came up with some ideas for some of their technology. There was a group called the Thule Society, or the Thule Society, that also channeled a group, and I think there's a woman named Maria Orsic. I think she was part of the Thule Society, or another group, I'm not sure. She's Maria Orsic was Vril. Okay, she was the Vril Society, and the Vril channeled this group claimed to be have have the secrets of this Vril energy, which is chi, prana, whatever you want to call it. They call it Vril energy. And then how to build technology. They wanted to help us build technology that used that. Very interesting. See, and again, so I I don't count out aliens. (laughs) Yeah, we think it's wise to keep the table, you know, to stay open-minded. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I mean, you know, just during my paranormal journey, 
I like I said earlier, you know, the first time I came across an elemental thinking, what the hell's that? <laughs> like things you mean there are more than just like fluffy dogs and, and mom and dad on the other side? <laughs> you know, it blew my mind to think that there was there were these entities, there was like another race. It was like another it, it's amazing to me. Let alone grays or anything. <laughs> well, if you if you talk to someone who has an animistic perspective, everything has consciousness and everything is sentient to degree. You know, rocks, the ground. Yeah. You know, your boogers. You know, everything has a little bit of consciousness in it. Just you can't really interact with that. <laughs> I have seen some people interact with their boogers, so I don't know. This is true, oh especially when driving. <laughs> <laughs> Magical booger. What does they have right. to say? <laughs> so you, you, you know, asked, it, Oh, sorry, Jerry. Go no, on. you had asked her about the African question. That was my only other question. So. I think that anyone that's out dealing with nature in general, especially those of us that grew up kind of you know, close to nature, uh, feel the connection to elemental energies. Absolutely. And it's funny to me because it's anyone that I've ever come across who has a very natural pull to the craft. So people who, I mean, I, I've always worked with, with herbs and essential oils and all sorts to cure any ailments and, and all sorts of things, you know, that's kind of my thing. It's more of a kitchen witch. Um, right. The natural, you're a natural. Yeah. yeah. Very natural. And I've always found that anyone else that I've met who is sensitive, psychic or anything that has a pull towards the craft tend to be more open and have a lot more experience with elementals. I mean, it's possibly because, I mean, they're earth energy, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely sense. agree. It's funny to think about how demonized that whole idea, uh, be, when I think of, witches that I know, myself included, we're just deeply connected to the experience we're having. And that generally includes, we're generally good cooks, we're generally artistic in some way, um, and we're working with the, the stuff at hand. It's like the magician in the tarot. We're working with the elements. Absolutely. Completely agree. And we do not need, there doesn't need to be a ceremonial high magician aspect. It's so separate from all that. Yeah, definitely give, agree. Give me that. the folk any day. The folk ways any day. Folk, yeah. <laughs> folk, yeah. That. This has been an amazing conversation. MJ, I cannot believe how many electrical, uh, what do you want to call it? Electrical Literally. elves. Totally. <laughs> This is an unprecedented amount from her tonight from this. She was a good one or two, but this is like oh, ten. This was this good. was one of the wildest Knoxman Say shows, especially <laughs> since Jerry was, I guess, in an interview and people heard that. We knew it was an interview, it was a work meeting. Work meeting, not an interview. Yeah. No, we knew MJ and I knew you were popping out yeah. for that for 15. I told her. But now the chat. world knows, Jerry. I told everyone in chat. I already admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, this has been really, really interesting. I've I've had a great time. It's been a good conversation. Thank you. It's been and awesome for us too. For, for listening. Yes, thank you, everyone. Um, so you had asked about 
or you mentioned some new stuff you're working on that you wanted to talk about? Oh my goodness. This is that um, time. <laughs> hey, plug. <laughs> plug time. Um, okay, so I am, today I got asked to play a small part in a movie, which is very cool. I'm acting as a paranormal investigator. Ta-da! AKA, I'm acting as myself. It's fantastic. That is um, fantastic. Yeah, they, they just said, be you, and you only have a few lines, but hey, look for ghosts. So I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can do that. Um, so do I'm we know the name of it, MJ? Not yet, but um, it will. we start filming next month. So um, it's an indie film. So pretty sure as soon as I know more, it'll be all over social media, and I'll share okay, it with everyone. Okay, cool. Yes, cool. Um, I'm doing my usual investigations things. Um, I do tend to join a lot of other groups and things on their investigations. But I've got Salem Con in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, I'm going to be popping over across the pond to say hi to everybody over there. I've got so many really, really good friends in the paranormal industry. Um, you know, John Zaffis, Grant Wilson, Mark and Lauren, who run Salem Con, Scott Gruenwald. Um, so, and everyone kind of is going to be there. So <laughs> it's a great excuse for me to pop across the pond and see everybody. So anyone that wants to chat all things paranormal with me, come and say hi. I'll be there. Um, on my side of the pond, I've got... Oh, it's not even my side of the pond. I'm lying. It's Europe. Um, in May, I'm actually doing my second paranormal cruise through Europe. Ooh, um, I like this. Yeah, and I put the link in the good. chat, and it's also uh, in the show notes in our Discord. And yep. I'm going to try and go, too. Oh, awesome. That would be amazing. So I know. When, when is that? May? So the 8th to the 18th of May, 2019. Um, we start with three days in Venice. And while we're in Venice, we investigate Pavelia Island. We also get locked in an old Venetian palace overnight to do an investigation. Uh, we've got a few ghosts and legends walking tours and that sort of thing. And then from there, we board the MSC Lyrica, uh, which is known as one of the haunted ships in the fleet. So, which is really, really cool because it's an actual haunted ship. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and we do Barry, Italy, Surrender, Albania, Pro Dubrovnik, Croatia. So, any Game of Thrones fans out there, we actually do a Game of Thrones tour in King's Landing. All of that. is amazing. I'm going to also try to get on this. I This is really exciting. Oh, I can definitely send you some info. Um, the, anyone that wants information can find it on our website. It's www.sageparanormal.co.uk. Um, and that link's and in the uh, show notes, or in the video description. Brilliant. Thank you so mm, much. You're welcome. Um, and, uh, from, you know, we do three Greek islands of that as well. So it's a, it's 10 night. It's really fun. Um, the second time we're doing it and gosh, what else? I've had my third interview for a new paranormal TV show in the UK. So fingers crossed the network like me. <laughs> um, it's show business. Who knows? You know, show so. business is weird, but you're very charming and um, oh, <laughs> and beautiful and easygoing. You have a good energy. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, 
yeah i so i'm quite i've been asked to be kind of the talking head resident expert on the show um to give my opinion on things which i'm really happy to share my opinion <laughs> um and they've also asked the lead investigator on a couple of episodes again you know this it's up to the network i will know more information pretty soon fingers crossed that comes through because i do enjoy doing tv work every now and again um i've recently helped on the production side with season four of paranormal lockdown when nick and katrina were over here in the uk um i i helped them out just like tiniest little bit on their show which was super fun um so i'm i'm looking at doing more television stuff but more of the factual documentary stuff not so much the oh my god hashtag demon. um yes <laughs> thankfully <laughs> I think it's a hashtag everything is demons yeah. i gotta send you a link to that show it's pretty funny oh that no, was you're actually quite was busy a, uh, yeah i you know what i thought between a lot of filming i do a lot of production consulting and stuff um i've got i also run my own convention so uh, most of my year is taken up putting that convention together. It is very small, very intimate, um, but it is one of the only paranormal conventions left in the UK. So, and I don't work with a team, it's just me. So in between working my regular day job, um, and then, which you asked about nature, I actually run a farm. Oh, I love that. MJ, you just get better. <laughs> Jeez, everything. Yes, yes, I, absolutely. Um, I run a, a farm fishery. There's log cabins. It's beautiful. I mean, just walking around the lakes and things is really, really stunning. So, you know, I manage the place. I am, I'm the office lady. I'm the one that answers the phone, does payroll and those great things, you know. Um, just what a perfect environment though that's nature but, yeah. yeah exactly it's peaceful it's beautiful um so in between doing my regular day job i i do all the the consulting the production work the filming different little projects the convention the crew i am currently putting together a trip to new orleans it's a 10-day voodoo tour uh, it's all things paranormal and voodoo um, I've just started putting it together. This is kind of my trial run for that tour, and it's pretty much sold out already. So, um, fingers crossed, everything goes well, and that'll become a regular feature as well. Okay, so, fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoy doing sort of paranormal holidays and that sort of thing. I do several kind of getaways and that sort of thing. So, I mean, if anyone wants to ever join me on some crazy paranormal adventure you can find me on facebook sign me up uh, yeah. yeah me too <laughs> hashtag me too I'll go anywhere you want to go <laughs> me hashtag me too paranormal yes well that could mean something else though well i was making a pun on it but what, it's like, still yeah, yeah. too bad that the new orleans one is filled up it's so close to jerry and i really jerry even rape ghost well, I could possibly squeeze you guys in. It's a very small group going. Um, oh, get to us behind the scenes. Yeah. Definitely. Hold that thought until I close the show. Yeah, I know. Here we go. All right. I just want to say my thank yous to anyone listening and the wonderful chat that we always have, which I'm not in. 
And I feel grateful that you've come on, MJ. This was a wonderful experience. Yes, thank this you very much. Thank you so much. I've had a great time. And thank you so much to everybody listening. I appreciate you guys tuning in and, and oh, it's great. And not only for the show, but for me, listening to me ramble. Fantastic. Yeah, you're an awesome rambler. Anyway, thank you, thank you everyone for listening tonight. Uh, it's a reminder we're not on next week, which is Christmas kind of thing. So we're going to take a break. And we'll be back in two weeks with, I forget who it was. I think it's, it's Grimstake. I think Grimstake's our guest. So, Steve. Yeah. Yay! So, I yeah. Try, I'll try and tune in for that. That'd be we, awesome. We also, if you don't know, put out a podcast of the show on an RSS feed. So if you have a podcast player, you can find us on iTunes or Google Play or wherever. So, so thank you, everyone, so much. Um, have a great night. I just said, um, now. Hey, hey. <laughs> and we'll What's see you. Jerry did it. <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care.